Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. On May the 13th, 2018, from Coolidge, Arizona, there's one thing that is very central to this, this series. That's changing your old existing pattern of thinking. That's a tough one. But, of course, everyone has to go through that. Everyone has to do that. And wading through that is called our individual tribulation that we must go through to become a God-approved person. We have to go through that to become what we ought to be. It's just one of the facts of life that our old and existing patterns of thinking have to be reevaluated. We get caught up in all kinds of things in life. Many of them stem from something that's unresolved in our past that we haven't really got a hold of, and so we revert to holding on to things that um, are dynamic to us, but very damaging to our nature and spirit. With that said, I want to encourage you to take care of your body because it's the only place you've got to live. So take care of it the best you can. I had a friend... A friend of mine uh, died yesterday morning, and the tragic of it is that we were in the process of developing a base for coming to understand what it means to put on immortality, to have life. We never got there, and he died yesterday morning, quite young. That's tragic. The point is that we never know when our life will end. You can be healthy one day. In fact, it seems to me like the people who die the quickest are the people who appear to be the healthiest. Hard to figure all that out. I don't have an answer. I don't play doctor. But they need to think about that, that there is always an urgency to get a handle on what's right And then when you get a handle on what's right, it becomes right to you when you do something about it. And I want to remind you also of this, that no one can go back and make a brand, brand new start. No one can go back and have a brand new start. Did you hear that? That's that's physically. That's physically or morally. No one can go back and make a brand new start, but anyone can start from now and make a brand new ending. And that, of course, is the objective 
of this series. Every step is so vital. If you miss a step, you need to go back and refresh your mind on it because it will have everything to do with where we're going in the future, providing I live long enough to get into that future. Who knows? So where we've been in the big picture is that God is hidden. He will not impose himself nor his purpose upon you. He will not somehow manipulate your thinking so that your end will be the way you want it to be. He won't do that, but he has provided for you and for all of mankind equally what it takes to control our destiny. He has made us and he has made us with an internal longing, 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 a longing that is capable of seeking him. So many things in life come into our minds that keep us from seeking God. Those things that keep us from devoting our attention to understanding the God who is there, those are the evil things of life. We are all capable of doing what God wants us to do. We only can know how he wants us to live by what he has revealed to us. And within us, he has built a desire to long for what is right. There is a longing for truth within the heart of every human being. And all of what we see today is to disguise it, to suppress it, to sidestep it. But folks, it is there. And when you get to it, you can reach people and change their destiny. We are capable of seeking him. And that is that when we do so, we are seeking to see what his purpose is. And that means that we, as we seek to see his purpose, we are avoiding what is evil. Because evil and is, is the failure, failure or the lack of purpose. That is according to God's design. And to, if we believe that the universe has no purpose, if the Bible has no purpose, uh, that's the product of evil. Life is fulfilled. I'd like to have you turn to Third John chapter verse two, because life is fulfilled. You find the fullness of life when you are living in harmony with His purpose. Now, remember, I started this this morning. Everybody can live fully within the content and the perimeters of God's purpose. Every human being is capable of being in the purpose of and design of God. Not one exception. And if we keep focusing on the things that are wrong with everybody, no wonder the world hates the church. I would too. We have to focus on that potential within every single living 
human being alive today, that they have that internal longing, it is there. We try to suppress it by getting them involved in everything else rather than the thing that provides to them their victory. But you see, we find the fullness of life. We don't miss anything out when we become a Christian. We miss, we, 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 we're not sacrificing any of the joys and the pleasures of life. Why, life is fulfilled when we are living all of our life in harmony with his purpose. Look at 3 John. I think it's verse 2. Yes, it is. Verse 2. Have you found it? That's just before the book of Revelation. Some of you folks may not um, know where 3 John, but 3 John comes right after 2 John. If you got that right, you're right on your way. If you can figure that out, you've got hope. And 3 John follows 2 John. 2 John follows what? The 4th John, right? 4th John. Oh, Alex, you've got no hope. No hope at all. You see, if you can think that far, then you've got hope. You can get a handle of anything it is that God has to say. 3 John, verse 2, beloved. I pray. That in all respects, and here he's using the word prayer in the, in the sense of, I'm hopeful. That in all respects, I desire, um, that in all respects you may prosper. That is, have more than just the bare necessities of life. In all respects, you may prosper. However you look at prosperity, the hope of this beloved apostle is that you prosper in every aspect of life. And he doesn't leave it there. Now, that's not materialism. Prosperity is spiritual. Just like water is spiritual. Why? Because look at what it accomplishes. It accomplishes what God designed for water to do. You drink it. That has a spiritual consequence to you. That's what spiritual is. Prosperity is spiritual. Materialism is where you have become dominated by the things of this world. Prosperity is where you are able to capture the most out of life that there is that it has to offer without infringing and encroaching on another person. You ought to be so filled with joy when you see another person prospering. That's a clue that they have hope. And then not only that, but that they be they have health. Good health. That's implied. I don't think good is there. But it's the idea of, of having health and the, the application 
was to be in health means that it's obviously good health. You're either not healthy or you're healthy. See, that's the product of the truth is it makes people healthy. Not everybody. My friend died yesterday very young with cancer. I told you about just a few moments ago. Yesterday morning, young man, loss of hope, loss and loss of ability. And he says, I want you to be in health equal to your prosperity. Yours, not somebody else's. And that your soul, that is your native life. Suke is is the animal life part of you. That's not your spirit. That's pneumatos. This is suke. It's the soul. It's the animal life. A dog has this life. A camel has this life. A worm has suke. But he says he wants you to have in your suke, in your life, in your soul, a vibrancy. And enthusiasm. Make it prosper. Be generous in your personality. Have some life. See, for that verse, just says, wow. That's how life ought to be. That's how it ought to be. When things go awry, we can fix it. Sometimes it's beyond us fixing. So we have to depend on God's grace. But the ideal is that every individual who qualifies as one of his beloved here in this context should prosper. So you don't give up anything when you're in harmony with God. You open yourselves up to accept all of the best of life. Only your attitude will deprive you of it. Even if you have bad health, and some of us have had bad health, only the attitude is what deprives us of what of that great experience of living every day. And folks, that's the vibrancy that every Christian needs to display, is there is joy and a vibrancy in life itself. Get excited about it. Don't become stupid. But be excited about life. You see, that's the fulfillment of life. And when we live in harmony with his purpose, we become appreciative of all the things in our surrounding, no matter whether it's dust. I tell you, the dust was terrible yesterday and it was terrible the day before. We breathe that into our... I don't know how anybody lives in Arizona. You know, I, I just don't see how anybody can survive it, but they do. They live to be old. But most of them that I know that are between 90 and 110 where we live, most of them are heavy drinkers. It must be the alcohol. (laughs) And most of them don't go to doctors. That's true. You go, you walk in the morning early and 
and and uh, I, I walked by uh, one of the clubhouses, and it's already full of people in the bar. And you know they go home at eleven, but most of them can't. <laughs> you know you wonder. We've always been taught that was the destroyer. You look at these people, and half of them are smoking. You know I don't buy that. But you know the facts of the matter is that. If people have something in them that transcends all of these things that would appear to us to be negative forces, that something transcends that negativism and gives them ability to live. And I'm not suggesting we go that route at all. Well, as your soul prospers, also does your perspective on things, and you can change how you see things. You can change how you see things. Even when nothing really changes around you, your perspective on them, you can see a little deeper. Perfectly said. Thank you, Alex. Good point. So what we learn when we learn about these basics is that there is something in life that some of us have been missing. It's not based on how many dollars you do or don't have. It's your perspective is how you see it as it is right now. And the intent of the gospel is that you give up nothing that's good for you when you're in alignment with God, but there is a fulfillment. I pray that in all respects, I hope, I hope that in all respects, you may prosper and be in good health just as your soul prospers. Folks, you need to ponder that. It should make a difference in how you live your Mondays. It won't. I know you'll forget it and go on your way. All right. Now, let's go back to where we were. We didn't quite finish up last week. Folks, let's go back to our notes, part one. And number six, and where we were last week, you've got your notes. You can all read them. <clears throat> I've had some questions come in this week about them and uh, have answered those questions and we uh, may print those out later. Number six says that we believe that people are capable of and responsible for making decisions. Neil and I are reading a book that starts off the first chapter that man is evil, therefore there is no devil. Why would he need a devil if man is evil? That's the first chapter. Well, man can do evil because he has no purpose and doesn't have an understanding. But that isn't what and who he is. Remember, we've already clarified that, folks. Where were you when we were in James chapter 3? That if you say one good thing about God and then say something about mankind, you're in deep doo-doo. Right? Didn't we read that in James 3? Yes, we did. Where were you? Don't put it aside. You can't say bad things about man. And at the same time, he said, you, you can't let your tongue speak bitter things about man and then sweet things about God. Well, this book violates that. The first chapter, the whole chapter is built around man is evil. By the way, 
the context is misused, where he draws that from. But man is evil, therefore there is no devil, because why, if man is evil, why would there need to be a devil? Now you think about that. That makes logic sense. The problem is his premise is wrong. The premise is wrong. We can't argue his conclusion, but his premise is wrong that man is evil. We believe that the Bible teaches and that it is reasonable to believe, because the Bible teaches it, that people are capable of and responsible for making decisions. Isn't it interesting, folks, that those who claim that man is evil, by the way, that has its heart in Calvinism, and we're not into labeling and name-calling particularly, but that's the title, starting with Augustine, that man is evil. And therefore, the consequences of that taint all of their theology. But think about this. Man is evil. God has requirements for man, knowing that man cannot keep those requirements and then condemns him to hell because he doesn't. Who is at fault? with that kind of thinking. God. That cast all of the reflection upon God. Mike Shagun pointed that out to me years and years ago. He made that argument that I thought that has stuck with me all of these years when we were in a Bible study with he and Pam and, and some other folks. And I've never forgotten that analysis that if man is inherently evil, and God has given us his word with commands for us to obey in it that he knew we could not keep and then condemn us because we don't, it's a reflection on God. I think that's sunk in, I hope. Good argument. All right, let's go to, let's go to Romans chapter 14 and verse 12. We talk about accountability. So then, each one of us, now the us includes everyone that he has been encompassing here. Each one of us will, 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 well, maybe. Each one of us will give an account of himself to God. I guess, can you erase that out of there? You can't take it out? No, I don't think so. It won't, it won't erase. See, you don't like that. You don't like, Luis doesn't like that verse at all. No, he doesn't like that verse. Neil doesn't like that verse. Because what it says is that every one of us is going to be held responsible for what we can't be responsible to and if we don't measure up to what we can't do, God's going to come down and zap us. Why would anybody want to love a God who acted like that? Okay, let's put that aside. The fact of the matter is that everyone is capable of doing the right thing. Now, you have to establish this because that's important to where we're going to go pretty soon. 
Everyone is capable of understanding what it is that God has said. Everyone, every single being capable of understanding is able to do whatever it is that God requires. God never has asked anyone to do anything that they could not do. Let me give you an illustration. We have a ceiling in this room. Most rooms have ceilings. Most of us are aware of that. And I'm going to make Neil... Is Neil here? Oh, he's down there. I'm going to make him climb up that side wall. And I'm going to make him walk across the ceiling upside down all the way over here to the front board and then come back down again. And if he doesn't, I'm going to whip the tar out of him. Can Neil do that? Only when he's mad. What? Only when he's mad? <laughs> Let's get him really mad. You see, who, who's, uh, who's out of line here, me or Neil? I'm requesting him to do something that he can't do, that I have not in, enabled him to do by my creation of Neil in this story. I have not created him with the ability to do that. And if God has created man without the ability to do what he has required man to do, who's at fault? God. This verse is so, so clear, folks. In Romans 14, 12, each one of us will give an account because everyone is capable of doing. God has never given us one thing but what we are capable of doing it. And everyone is held, now listen to this, everyone is held accountable for what they are capable of doing. We find that in Romans chapters 1 and 2. Because there are some people who are maybe, they may be mentally deficient. God only holds everyone accountable for what they are capable of responding to, how they, of what they are capable of responding to. Every one of us, each one of us, no exceptions, will give an account of himself to the priest. Is that what it says? What about to the king? No? Well, under the right context. Uh, in the, depending on your context, that's right. But here, of himself to God. Folks, that's why we are spending so much time to lay this foundation because we are capable of doing what God wants us to do. He has made us capable, has never given us one thing but what lies within our capability to do, and therefore we have to give an account of it. You do, I do, there are no exceptions. I know you're going to try to get out of it. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 5 and verse 14. So there has to be, an ex there has to be a learning process. Hebrews chapter 5 and verse 14, solid food is for the mature. 
the real meat of the scripture. Not the comfort foods. We've already talked about that. We shouldn't have to go back and deal with comfort foods again. That's the, that's the refined stuff that makes everybody feel good. But he's saying here, the solid food. Therefore, the people who are growing up, who because of practice have their exercises trained to discern purpose and non-purpose, good and evil. You see that? How do we arrive at that through practice? What is it that gets trained our senses out of practice, out of practice, out of practice? I was watching some piano players this morning, and I don't know how they can get ten fingers hitting 15 keys at a time. I just don't understand how those people's brain work. But you see, all of their senses are in tune to that music theme. And they, their hands just go over that keyboard every which way, and every key, every, every note is precise and in order because they have trained their senses, their ears, their eyes, the feeling of their fingers to discern a good note and a bad note. Training years and years of discipline. You know why a child has to have a mommy and a daddy? Because they have to have their senses trained. Their, their senses, their native abilities have to be trained to make a distinction between what is in purpose and what is the lack of purpose. We have to make those distinctions between good and evil. What an awesome responsibility that a mommy and a daddy have. We miss it. So that verse covers so much. How do we get to where we can become accountable to God? We have to, through practice, get our senses trained to discern good and evil. Now, that ought to be a memory verse of every, young, every person in this room. Solid food. See, solid food is what causes you to exercise. Number seven. So we believe that it is reasonable to believe that people are capable of and responsible for making decisions. This tells us not only that they are, but it tells us how they become responsible for their decision-making in Hebrews 5.14. You see that? Folks, that's a great, great lesson to start with. Look at number seven. We also believe that the enabler for this and that mature food, that solid food of which he's talked about, is knowledge. 
that the enabler for making the right decisions in life and to have the right way of making a choice in life is knowledge. Look at Isaiah chapter 7 and verse 15. Isaiah chapter 7. Isaiah Jeremiah. Isaiah 7 and verse 15. He will eat curds and honey at the time. He's talking here about the one who was going to have, he was going to be with us, not against us. That's what Emmanuel means, that he was going to come as one of us to be with us, not against us. And there will be a time that he knows what? And even though this word is added, it's all built into that word that he knows accumulatively enough to do what? To refuse evil and choose purpose, good. To refuse living no purpose outside of purpose, that's called evil, and to choose living within the framework of purpose, that's called good. Here he is talking about whom? The one born of a virgin. Who possibly could that be? He still had to come to that point where he was old enough through the accumulation of knowledge to know how to live within purpose. You see that? The boy, before this boy gets old enough to know the difference, the land whose two kings you dread will be forsaken. He is saying that this boy, there's going to be a time frame, and we're not interested in that now, but there's a time frame, and in that time frame, the two kings that you folks are going to be dreading, they... Um, they will be for the, the land who you dread, these kings will be forsaken. But in that meantime, the boy will come and know enough, and he'll have the knowledge that it takes to refuse evil and to choose good. Does that take a time? It even took a time for Jesus. He had to, he had to mature and grow just like everybody else. That's right. Um, he, that's right. Uh, let's look at two, Luke 2.52. Um, but that's so true. He had to mature like everybody else. And he, he noticed it wasn't given to him. In Luke 2, I think it's verse 52. We're going to find out real quick here. And Jesus kept, oh no. He did what? W- why is it that we don't give him that ability to increase. He kept increasing. He never let up. He kept increasing, kept growing in wisdom. Seeing things, the word wisdom, seeing things from God's point of view. Increasing in wisdom and stature. He had to grow up physically as well as mentally and as well as in his perspective of God, and also 
as he did so, he grew in favor with God and he didn't become a weirdo. Have you seen kids in high school that were religious weirdos? Jesus never became a weirdo. But nowadays... What's that? But nowadays, being a Christian in high school is being a weirdo. It can be. It is. Yeah, it can be. Unfortunately. And and, and unfortunately, though, sometimes it's because of how we broadcast our Christianity. And other times it's just because that's who we are. And they're right. Very, very... True, and that's unfortunate. But we want to be careful that we don't just take on a weird disposition, and that we don't take in the balance. See, most what I mean by weirdos is we have lost the balance in life. We have, you know, we're we're so one way that we haven't taken all of life and in, into balance, and knowing that if I'm playing football, I got to be a good football player. If I'm playing basketball, I need to be a good basketball player. If I'm taking math, I need to be a good mathematician. If I'm taking science, I need to be good at my science. And doing all of that under the perspective of honoring God's purpose for my life. Jesus grew in favor with God and with man. Mankind in general. All right. So the enabler for making right decisions with Jesus was what? Knowledge. The accumulation of knowledge. And it had to be solid knowledge. Then number eight. We believe that it is reasonable to believe that the enabling knowledge that we have today is the Bible. The book. And that this book is meant to be understood. We can look at Romans chapter 15 and verse 4. It says this, For whatever was written in earlier times was written so that we could not understand it. Is that what your Bible says? No, but that's how we think. But that's how we think. I had somebody saying, well, you know, the Bible says nobody can keep the law. Well, okay, you said that, but now give me one thing in the law that you couldn't do. Tell me one thing about the law that you have to break. No, no, I said, give me, you said it, now give me some evidence. You wait and you wait. They get mad. That's all right. They need to get mad because they made a stupid statement. People need to get mad. Nothing wrong with that. But there's not one thing in the law that you cannot do. I mean, you can go through life without killing somebody, can't you? I don't know. You know, I've known a few people who are murderers. 
But that's pretty that's pretty small number. Do you have to steal? Some people never steal. You don't have to steal. Do you have to covet some of your neighbor's wife? Well, if you've seen my neighbors, you wouldn't want to. <laughs> no, that, no that, well, those are stupid things to think. That God would make a law that people can't do. And the law was so complete. I mean, with over 300, 326 different laws, and one of them even has to do with how you treat the eggs in a nest. You know, some of those may be a little more difficult. But the Ten Commandments, anybody can keep those. You don't have to covet what belongs to somebody else. You don't have to want to be favored at somebody else's expense. A lot of people don't break any of those Ten Commandments. They don't have to. Sometimes we do. But we don't have to. God never gave us a command that we have to violate. That just isn't the nature of God. So the, the enabling knowledge that allows us to have the knowledge we need to make the right choices in life is the Scripture. So for whatever was written in earlier times, including the Old Covenant, was written for our instruction. Because remember now, at the time that Romans was written, this was the only thing they had was the Old Covenant. The Old Covenant lasted until the Apostles and the Apostolic Age, and we'll talk about that when we talk about the structure of the Bible I think that'll be next week. So that through perseverance and the encouragement of the Scriptures, so through your perseverance and the encouragement coming from and out of the Scriptures, your perseverance, your stick-to-itiveness, and the encouragement that you find in the Scripture, you have hope. Now, both have their origin with God. May the God who gives perseverance and encouragement grant you to be of the same mind with one another according to Christ Jesus, so that with one accord you may with one voice give recognition to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. You see, even Jesus had a God. All right, let's go, let's go to uh, Psalms 100. We've got to finish this up real quick here. Uh, let's go to Psalms 119 and verse 11. We'll finish this up real briefly. Psalms 119, verse 11. Your word I have treasured in my heart that I might not sin against you. That would, of course, be covered the old covenant. We are under the new covenant. but We put them together and we realize that the new covenant is the fulfillment of the old covenant. And together there is a harmony of beauty that just swells up within our heart, bringing us to the beautiful holiness of God through his word. It is meant to be understood. Treasure it in your heart. Treasure the word of God in your 
heart. Look at James one twenty three. <clears throat> Not only are we to be a hearer, but if anyone is a hearer of the word and doesn't put it to work, oh boy. So many people who are in this class over the years, they've heard everything, oh, that, oh yeah, that's just right. But you know, there's never any, there, so seldom is there any action. You see, it's the action that makes it spiritual. God, there is no such thing as anything spiritual about responding to that which is natural. You get that? Anyone who is a hearer of the word and not a doer, not a doer of the word, not a doer of the word, why bother? He is like a man who looks at his natural face in a mirror. Once he looked at himself and gone away, he has immediately forgotten what kind of a person he was. Have you ever tried to draw a portrait of yourself looking in the mirror once and then go to the table and try to do it? It's hard. There are some who are able to do that, but that's rare. Not having, but notice he goes on, and not having become a forgetful hearer, but an effectual doer, this man will be spoken well of in what he does. It's the doer of the word. He who, when the Bible says that we must believe, is what does belief cause us to do. And whatever we do out of belief is therefore what constitutes the spiritual man. If it says to stand on your head for four hours a day, that's what the Word says, and you do that, that's a spiritual activity. Why? Because it has its origin with whom? With God. That's what makes it spiritual. When you do whatever it is God desires you to do, and you do it as in the flesh, that is in itself the spiritual aspect of life. And there is no other way to look at it. That's right. We have one more, number nine, and we close. We believe that the bridge, that the bridge between man and man, between God and mankind is the scripture. That's the bridge that connects God and man. That's the bridge between God and man is that revelation, his Bible. The word revelation simply means that which has been real, revealed to man and documented beyond what man could know through natural resources. So that bridge between God and man, God is sovereign. He has made man sovereign because man is made in God's image. And so in the sovereignty of God and in the sovereignty of man, both find their limitations where? In the scripture. God has limited his sovereignty and exercises restraint in his sovereignty by what means? By what he has said in his word. We are sovereign in the finitely, we can do what many things that we ought not do, but what are we governed by? 
we are governed by the scriptures as well. So God's sovereignty in his infinity has exercised restraint by, in his sovereignty by his word. We exercise our finite sovereignty by in being in alignment with the word. So the word, the word is the bridge that connects man and limits the sovereignty of both. That needs to be proclaimed and proclaimed and explained and explained. Let's pray. Father, your word is precious, and our intent is to, is to adhere to it as we learn of it and as we practice it. In Jesus' name, amen. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.